Put your confidence in us. Give us your faith and your blessing. And under providence, all will be well. We shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Neither the sudden shock of battle nor the long-drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour, brought to you by Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you today from a conference room. Well, not really. We're coming to you from my home office, bringing you the latest news in Springfield Public Schools, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology. Well, clearly, because we're all remote. I'm Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed guy. You can find me out on social media at Bearded Tech Ed. My own personal website where I put my own personal opinions and thoughts is beardedtechedguy.com. And coming back soon, once my SPS is stood up, is the blog on my SPS. I'm excited today to share with you what we're going to talk about. If you noticed with the name of the episode, the Distance Learning Playbook, Module 1, you might be saying, that's a weird name for somebody. And you're right. Usually we do interviews, but during this time, we also want to be able to help you and spread some more wealth of knowledge. And so with that, we're actually going to do a book study series. And this is called the Distance Learning Playbook, Grades K-12. It is written by Douglas Fisher, Nancy Fry, John Hattie. I know that there's a lot of schools out there who may have purchased this. If you haven't, you can order it online. Kindle has it, which is how I got my copy, although I'm now going to go to the office and try to find a copy for myself because do not buy it on the Kindle. It is very hard to read. It's like somebody took screenshots or ran the book through a copier and just copied the pages up there. It's not really formatted for the Kindle. So it was a little difficult to read, and hopefully by the time I do the next episode, I will have a copy of the book. Maybe I'll even try to go and get that today. With that in mind, this book is available widely anywhere. In the show notes, I'm actually going to include a link that they have where they have some videos and some printouts. And let me tell you, as we're talking through Module 1 today, I think these printouts can be really helpful. I personally, because I use my Kindle, of course, I took notes on a piece of paper I felt like I probably could have done a little better job of my note-taking if I was actually writing in the book. So I do highly encourage you, according to the picture in Kindle, it looks like it was spiral-bound, so it's probably really easy to use, manipulate, and write in. If you don't have a copy of it, I highly encourage you to get a copy of it. You might be asking yourself, why did I hear Winston Churchill at the beginning of this podcast episode? Well, this clip of Churchill was from his speech, Give Us the Tools, back in February 9th, 1941. As a history buff, as I was reading through this book and thinking about how I wanted to do this series, I really felt that this speech and the quote that we used at the very beginning kind of fit in. Give us your faith and your blessings, and under this providence, all will be well. We shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. 
Neither the sudden shock of battle nor the long-drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. This book is that tool. And so as we go about this podcast episode, really keep that in mind that this is a tool that can help us be the best that we can be. We're going to start with chapter one, which is called self-care. Now, you might be asking yourself, why start with self-care as the first chapter of a pedagogical-like book when it talks about distance learning? Well, I feel like they kind of answer that in the first paragraph when they talk about if you're burned out, you're no good. And that's to your family, that's to your students, that's to yourself. And so the idea of Our whole world being interrupted back in March of 2020 really affects how we live and how we learn and how we teach. I remember back in that time, it literally was on the drop of a dime because it was Friday the 13th, I believe it was Friday the 13th in March, where we had professional development and most of professional development for most places was moved to online. I know that's what our department did for the groups that we were working with. And then Monday came and school was shut down. At that point, no one knew what was going on necessarily. I know for our department, we actually started planning back in January because we saw the news. We saw, hey, this could be a thing. Let's try to prepare as much as we can for it. And that's why after a couple of weeks, we were able to come up with a whole bunch of learning modules and lessons and teachings and Zoom meetings. I think during that time, I've spent more time on Zoom than humanly possible. I think there were days where it was like seven hours out of my eight-hour day was on Zoom, where I was doing different trainings along with the others in our department. And so one of the things that I really felt like afterwards... And while nearing the end of those times was I really needed to think about how to take care of myself because I knew the pace that we were keeping was not sustainable and quite frankly, not healthy. And that's where this book starts, actually, because for you to be an effective teacher, you need to make sure that you are being taken care of. They don't really mention Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but I really felt like that could actually fit into this chapter of You need to be taking care of yourself before you can take care of others. I slept through a lot of psychology, so I may have mixed up my Maslow's there. So please forgive me on that. So this chapter really kind of gets into taking care of yourself. And so before they get into any of the strategies and skills that they talked about with the 70 plus teachers that they worked with to push a book out in just a few months, they really wanted to address was probably the most important thing right now, which is your mind, body, spirit, health, all those fun words that we all think about when it comes to taking care of ourselves. Because as they point out at the very beginning, This can be a very traumatic experience for having your whole world ripped upside down and then having to adjust. And being a teacher on top of that, you're trying to project 
positive ways onto your students. And that can only happen if you are in a good place yourself. But we all experience some sort of trauma. And this is a traumatic experience. So one of the things that they start out with is by just kind of addressing that to begin with and understanding that what we are going through is not normal. When we signed up to be teachers, well, we did not go into college being like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach from home. I'm going to use my computer and work on working with students remotely. I'm going to give them assignments that they can do from home. We're not going to really see each other other than through a screen. We didn't plan for that, nor did we sign up for that as teachers. And this book starts out by laying that out on the table. It's really important because we need to acknowledge issues. I always think of when I think of whenever something's wrong and we don't call something by its name, we don't say COVID-19 and we say the virus or the monster or the disease. I always think back to Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. One of my Zoom backgrounds is the Great Hall. But in Harry Potter, in that first book and the second book and the corresponding books afterwards, one thing Harry was not afraid to do was to call out something by name. Instead of saying he who must not be named, he would say Voldemort. And that gave him more freedom than I think he realized during those times. Because when you won't call something out by name, you're giving it power over you. Yes, this virus, COVID-19, is pretty terrible. Yes, there is not much we can do and control in this world. What we can do and control is our thoughts and our actions. And so we're going to make sure that we are making the best choices so that to set an example for those who we are leading and working with. And for our case, the students, because they're looking to us to see how to respond. So it's very important. They talk about it a little. I'm expanding upon it because I really think it's important to call something out by its name. Because if you don't, it's going to have power and control you and control your mind. That was pretty heavy to start with, but I think it's also very important. The book talks about, like, don't put your head in the sand, basically. Don't be an ostrich. I like my way of saying it better. I guess that's just a little my writing difference versus their writing difference. Because I'm on my Kindle, I can't tell you exactly what page this is on. So I want to say it's around 10, 11, 12. But what I really liked is it got into like three specific areas of life that you can be taking care of yourself. That first is a dedicated workspace. Whether you're living in an apartment, a house, a motorhome, but you get the idea. Wherever you're living, you need to have some sort of space that is dedicated for your work. Some people I've seen in Zoom calls are working out of their basement. Some are working from their kitchen table. Some are working from their living room. One of the things that they talk about in here that I want to stress more on is... When it comes to our work, we need to have a dedicated space that we can walk away from, that it's not constantly staring us in our face. I think one of the things that helped for me is before we moved, the house that we were living in didn't have a, I didn't have a dedicated space. My space was a small corner in our bedroom. So if I'm out of routine, a lot of times I would just wake up. I would see that computer and the monitor and the microphone staring me right in the face. And then I would immediately start to feel stressed. Like, I got to get this done, this done, this done, and get to work because of it being in that specific place. 
Now where I live, I can literally close my laptop, close the door and walk away from it and not see it again till tomorrow. So I really feel like having some sort of dedicated space that you can walk away from and leave it there. I know for me, another thing that I've started to do is I used to have Outlook and Teams on my phone because I wanted to make sure that I could answer anybody's questions at any time. So I found for me, that wasn't a very healthy thing. I did not allow my workspace to stay in my workspace. It came with me. So wherever you're working, whether it is in a corner in the kitchen or in the basement, try to create a space that you can just walk away from. I think that's hugely important. Another thing about that space is it needs to be respected. Many of us have animals and children, children who act like animals, spouses, significant others, roommates, people we live with. We need to make sure that we're setting up boundaries for when we are working in those spaces. It's also important to recognize that you are working. In our work areas, we don't usually have people like come running in and interrupt or animals that jump on desks. So we need to create some boundaries with those things. The book talks about this a lot on one of the pages, and I think it's a really good point of making sure that your workspace is your workspace. And along with that is keeping all of your workspace tools easily accessible. I know in the classrooms we have at least mine at Walsh, I had so much storage space that I had to really think about where I'm placing things so that they were easily accessible for me to use when I was teaching. If I wanted to reference a book, I can't have it on the bookshelf that's in the other part of the room. I need to have that near me. If I wanted to reference a chart on the wall, I needed to have that near me and not have it hanging on the back wall up really high like I did with some of my charts. I learned this and... That's the other thing I've noticed with this book is there's a lot of things that are just good practices in general, not related to being remote. And I think that the self-care one is also a really good example of that. So after they talk about your workspace, they really get into the idea of routines. Now, I remember my routine way back March. I would wake up. I would do my chores and business around the house that I had to. I would try to leave the house around 7.15-ish so that I could go and support my addiction Starbucks and get my green tea, no sugar. Trenta, really big one with no sugar, which is probably a good thing. I don't think I would do very well if I had a big one with sugar in it. And then I would go to the office. I would sit down. I would start in my routine of my day, check my emails, check the ticket system, look at my list that I would keep next to my desk of the things that I need to accomplish during the week. That's all part of my routine. When we stopped working at the office at the end of March, middle of March, whenever that was, those routines were broken. I no longer was doing the things I needed to around the house as easily. I was not going and getting my Starbucks and my bank account thanked me for that one. But one of the things I realized is that I missed my morning routines. And for me, my routines will look different than yours. So having some sort of routine, and this may sound a little aggressive, but I know for me, one of the things that really helped lower my stress over this past summer, which since I moved, I haven't been able to do, is exercising. That is an important part and it needs to be built into your routines because 
you and I both know sitting in a chair for seven, eight hours, 10 hours a day is not healthy. We never did that when we were teaching in the classroom. One of the things that one of the videos talked about was a teacher who in his office space had a standing desk because he said it felt more natural to be standing while talking with students and working with students and it did not feel as natural sitting. So he adjusted his work area so that he could have a standing desk. We know that the other thing with teaching is you're constantly making loops around the classroom. I know that when I was teaching, we'd always look at our Fitbits and see how many steps we got during that class session. Was it a busy class session where we were going back and forth? We could see that. Now we're just clicking on the screens. So we're not getting that. Even those little minor exercises, we're not getting. So I think exercise is really important. There's a number of studies out there that show that to help reduce stress, people need to eat healthy and exercise. And I take those things very seriously. And I haven't been doing them as well as I should be. One of the things when they were talking about routines is it needs to be manageable. Like for me, now where I live, if I want Starbucks in the morning, it's a 30-minute drive there and then back. Yeah, I kind of moved out to the sticks, and I love every moment of it, but I do miss the Starbucks. It's probably the biggest thing I miss. My old house, it was 10 minutes away. Oh, Starbucks. Well, let's get back on task here. One of the things that I liked is that in thinking about the routines, they're manageable and Test them out. And this is where I was talking about there have some really good handouts. It looks like you could write in the book as in spots. You can also print them off from the website that I'm going to link in the show notes below. So you try them out for a few weeks, see what's working, keep what's working, what's not working, change and try to think of something else to do. You need to be taking care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually. All those things are important. The next one that I'm going to talk about in, from the book, actually, too, is all about socialization. Because we are trapped in our houses and we're not really supposed to be seeing people in person, we need to figure out ways to still connect. As human beings, we are designed for connection. So we need to be able to socialize with colleagues. Maybe that means you have a late afternoon meeting after students are done and you enjoy whatever it is that you enjoy and just talk with teachers, not just about what you're teaching, how it's going, but as humans, because we are human, we are not robots. We cannot just sit and go drone on through the same things. We need to be making connections. Think about the things you would talk about with your colleagues. I know one of the things that my colleague Brendan and I do is we are both in different fantasy football leagues and usually on Mondays and then in midweek, we'll even check in and say, hey, what about signing this guy or what about this trade? Or we would talk about fantasy football. It had nothing to do with work and it's meaningful conversation to us. Yeah, it might be trivial, but being able to have conversations outside of, hey, what's going on with Unified Classroom? What's going on with Schoology? Those conversations, while good and important, are not life and not our entire life. So having those kind of connections. One of the things I liked that they talked about in here was doing a book club. And who knows, maybe we'll start some sort of DLA book club where we get together once a month and talk about a book. I actually kind of like that idea. I was going to bring it up at one of our meetings soon. They actually talk about having an accountability partner in the book. They call it a commitment partner. 
Um, the same kind of thing to make sure that you're checking in with each other and seeing what you need and being honest with each other. And so I like the, again, there's a lot of great resources with this book. If you don't have the book, you definitely should ask your school for it or go out and buy it yourself. The last section of the book in talking about taking care of yourself, they talk about this thing called compassion fatigue. And for the most part, as teachers, we experience compassion satisfaction, which is pleasure we derive from being able to do our work well. There is a flip side to that, which is compassion fatigue, which is a combination of physical, emotional, spiritual depletion associated with trauma-related work we do when others are in a significant emotional pain or physical distress. Some people will call it a high cost of caring. In the book, they write down some signs of it. And if you have any of these signs, you definitely, as our friend Brittany Blake Franklin mentioned in the last podcast, go and get some help. Um, the American Academy of Family Physicians has a tool which they posted a teacher version of in the book. And if you feel like you're answering yes to a lot of these, then search out for some help because you will become burnt out if you don't. We have all seen those burned out teachers. They've been working their hard out. They've been doing everything they can, but you can see that they are exhausted and fatigued. If you are one of those people, seek some help. There's a lot of great charts in the book that you can use to kind of see on a red to green scale. And my favorite part about this particular section, as if you can't tell I'm talking about it a lot already, is at the very end of the chapter, they have what they call success criteria. And I think this is a really good checklist for us to see how we're doing. I'm going to say I don't, I'm not able to check everything off on this list right now. And that's okay. I'm something that I can work towards. And I feel like Overall, with this book, with what I've read so far, that's kind of the idea is that, yeah, we're working towards something better and we're working towards improvement. So the success criteria in module one is I can identify a place to work. I can practice my routines and manage my schedule. I have at least one connected conversation per day with someone outside my home. I have a plan for my personal well-being. I recognize the signs of trauma and compassion fatigue. Now, I'm not perfect on this list. I'm going to guess you're not perfect on this list, but there's a lot of great things in here. And I really feel like it could help us take those next steps as we're trying to figure out what the future holds. And quite frankly, we know that we have six months more of school left. Six? Something like that. And we know that our days can get flipped upside down at the whim of people outside of our control. So the things that we can control like taking care of ourselves, we need to make sure that we are doing that so that we can live great lives and be great examples to our students. That's all we have for you today. Remember, you are a teacher. You've always been a teacher. You will not forget how to be a teacher, whether you are in person or on a computer. So thank you for spending some time as you hear me processing through chapter one of this book. I hope you take a moment and go and get a copy for yourself. 
Like I said, Kindle copy, not that great. Try to get a physical copy if you can. If you liked this podcast, please go and leave a review wherever you're listening to us, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, or wherever those podcasts are. Make sure that also, if you heard something in here that you want your colleagues to hear, make sure that you share it with them. Rate, leave us, leave us a review. That's how more people can find this podcast. It would be very much appreciated by all of us. Next week, we have an interview with Liam Bevan over at Sumner. Super awesome, super awesome guy, super awesome experience to chat with him, to hear what they're doing over at Sumner and what he's doing in his science classroom. So I highly encourage you to check that out. As for me, I'm now gonna go run a lap around the house to help take care of myself. I'm Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed guy, and this is the SVS Digital Learning Hour. The SPS Digital Learning Hour is directed, produced, written, performed, edited by Mike Thomas from Digital Learning and Assessment at Springfield Public Schools. The song that you've been hearing throughout the podcast is Tell Me by Risen. Find out more about Risen through their SoundCloud, or you can check out our show notes to get all the information you need. 